Welcome to the Eschology Podcast, brought to you by Resonix. Visit ResonixSoundSolutions.com for the best ways to free your car, motorcycle, house, or spaceship from resonance with Resonix. And many thanks to Resonix for making this podcast a reality. Today we are with Doug the Soundman. Welcome, Doug. That's me. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Good to have you. You're uh, maybe known around YouTube as the Columbus kindest guy around. But before that, I mean, <laughs> you've been around audio and car audio for a while. What got you started in car audio in the first place? Well, my dad started Soundman. It was The Soundman Inc. in 1974. Wow. And it started out as kind of like, almost like a Best Buy would have been back in the 80s. It, he sold, you know, record players, record needles, blank cassette tapes, boom boxes, <laughs> anything sound related. And then he also, he started with like, car eight track players and all that stuff. Very cool. And then as the car stereo boom kind of happened, and I guess that would be the late eighties or so, it was all about the subwoofers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. He kind of started specializing in the car stereo end of it. Okay. So do you start installing with them or just hanging out or how'd you kind of, how'd you, yeah, I mean, I always was around the shop when I was a kid, yeah. and I would just hang around and bug him when he was talking to customers, and he'd yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was about 14, I started helping out on the weekends, and I would get all the grunt work. So I'd have to organize the antenna masts and all the dash kits and clean up around the shop. And then I started kind of working there more seriously when I was about 17 or so. Okay. And that's when I really started learning how to install and, you know, do all the sales and bring up customers and all that good stuff. Before you started learning and, and doing and stuff, just hanging around the shop, I mean, was there, was your curiosity up as far as just like the brands and the stuff? And, and that, I mean, I, I, the only reason I bring that up is because when you said that, I remember back when I was, eight, nine years old. My dad was an installer and, you know, during the summers or whatever, I'd be there just hanging out in the showroom while, you know, while he was actually working. And I just started grabbing out the catalogs and memorizing price lists and playing with the different radios and stuff. I mean, did you get into it at that point or what was your uh, kind of progression into it? Yeah. My like curiosity was always up, you know, mm -hmm. he had the displays around the shop and I was always testing out speakers, you know, the speaker boards where you could switch right. from speaker to speaker yep. and uh, pushing in dust caps on woofers. <laughs> the woof one, one finger woofers death were punch. always on the bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The woofers were always on the bottom where the kids could poke at right. them. You know? yeah, they, I remember him. Every kid, every kid that come into the, would come into the shop would always go right up to the woofer and push on the dust cap for some reason. Uh, the adults still do that now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just more careful. Now. Yeah, maybe you learn how to pop them back out with a little bit of tape, right, just put right. some tape on there and give it the pull. But yeah, he had a demo vehicle back then. It was a Dodge van mm -hmm. and it had, Oh shoot. It had like red line equipment or something mm -hmm. like that in there. And it had two 18s, two 15s, two 10s, oh, 
eights and, and like some six by nines going down the side. And the box kind of like started at the floor and kind of arced its way back. But every and it had an RTA built into it. Oh, wow. And it was it was loud. And I, I remember one time he got mad at me. The van was parked in front of the house and I got up in the morning and went out to the van and was messing around with the stereo. But he had a demo disc that had like sound effects on it. And he had this helicopter sound like those different right, tracks right. that had different sounds and i was just cranking the helicopter <laughs> sound <laughs> and he hears it from the house he's like what the heck and he comes out and i'm in there early in the morning messing with the settings on the demo van that's amazing <laughs> but yeah like so as early as i could remember there was always loud stereos around right and speakers and stuff one of the early memories i have that kind of inspired me was I think I was probably 14 and I was helping around the shop and he sent me with one of the installers to go get some food. And the guy had a two fifteens and a mini truck with hydraulics on it. Nice. And man, when I, when I wrote in that thing, I couldn't breathe, you know, when you're a kid and you first hear loud bass, it kind of takes your breath away. Yep. I couldn't breathe. And he's hitting switches and like three wheeling around the corner. I'm like, what the hell? And ever since then I've been addicted to, the low rider stuff and That's stereos. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Did you have any uh, favorite brands back then that you envisioned whenever you had your first system, this is what you're going to do or. Yeah. I mean, back then it was all about the Sirwin Vega woofers mm-hmm. and I always wanted a stroker, yep. but we had the Vega series and it was all about two 12 inch Vegas with a bunch of power on them. And we carried MTX at the time. So we had the MTX 2300 amps yep. and that was probably one of my first systems with two Vega 12s with a 2300 on. I got you. I was just going to ask you, what, what was your first vehicle that you had system in? The first vehicle I had a system in was my 82 Chrysler LeBaron. Nice. And that was my first car. <laughs> <laughs> the grandma car had the vinyl top and all that. It was a baby blue color, Ooh. but my parents made me save up and buy my own vehicle. So that's kind of what I ended up with. Right. I wanted something a little more, racy like a raced out civic or something right. at the time but no. you know i just had to get what i could afford and it was Rolls a LeBaron. nice little yeah, bench seat lebaron but my dad put a system in it and he kind of just put the cheap stuff whatever he had laying around so i ended up with a i think it was a terminator mtx 15 oh in a down firing box Ooh. and then just like normal speakers and a cheap deck and I thought it was the bomb when I was a kid rolling around with my 15. (laughs) But the first system I put in my car, I got a 95 T-Bird and I did the Vegas in there. But, you know, as an installer, then I, I probably had five or six systems in that car. Right. You know, it was never good enough. I was always (laughs) putting the new head unit in, Mm -hmm. adding more speakers, pulling the box back out. I think I had the Vega 12s and then I pulled them out and put the, MTX 12s in there. And I tried to jam four of them in there. Okay. And I think there were seven thousands. I, I can't remember the series. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was like the 3000, 5000, 7000, I think. Yeah. I about think that time. 7,000, yeah. the, the black. Yep. I was just going to say like had the black uh, MTX logo on there. Yep. Yep. That was it. And then I, it was kind of a ladder configuration, a ladder design okay. where the one Woofer was in the box. The other was inverted. And then the next woofer was in the box. Okay, and yeah, the yeah, next yeah. one was inverted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it had 
I think it was a, it might've been a sealed box with four woofers in it like that. I don't know if I ported it because I was really cramped on space yeah. and I would yeah, fit as much, whole lot, cram as much as possible. Not a whole lot of trunk space in those. I had, I had 94 Cougar and yeah, I know, I know the pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that was before I learned more is not always better. <laughs> it sounded good, but like if you could really dial in the box with whatever woofer is practical for the space you have, that's right. kind of the method I lean towards now instead of just trying to jam as much as I can in there. And where, where did you grow up as far as area region? Santa Clarita, California. Okay. All right. Yeah. I grew up here, still out here. I was going to say, so still you're have the, pretty much at home base the whole time. Yep. So did you, have you done anything else but car audio or did you go straight into this as a, as your career? Yeah. I mean, my first job I got was at Best Buy. Okay. And I worked there for a little bit. I worked in the media department where the CDs were. I had to, you know, take the CDs that were put in the wrong spot and organize <laughs> right. them all out. But, and then I did, I taught at a karate school too when I was young. Oh. And then that doesn't pay very well. So no, I started working at my dad's shop and the karate school. Okay. I worked for Jason David Frank. He was a power ranger. He was the green ranger back in the day. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. So, cool. and, uh, I taught at his karate school and then, uh, so I worked at the stereo shop also. And then that, like, I just fell in love with cars and stuff like that. So, and so I've pretty much always done that. Mm-hmm. And then as I got better, I started taking a bigger role at the shop and choosing the brands and, you know, kind of like almost taking it over and running it. And I tried to scoop up all the high end brands, you know, mm-hmm. which was probably, I consider one of the mistakes because as a business, I think now my philosophy would be if I were to do that, um, run the retail shop, it'd be to just really support a couple brands that you like and you could stand behind. Cause you know, I, I tried to get Focal, I had Focal, Morel, Macintosh, JL Audio. And I even, I took on hybrid audio and it was just too much to choose from. Kind of all in the same space. Yeah, they're a lot in the same space and you, you're not making the vendors happy mm-hmm. because you're cherry picking and not making a big order with just one vendor. Right. And JL Audio, if you're a JL Audio dealer, they want you to be a JL Audio shop. Right. And I didn't, there's some things I like from other brands. So, you know, that was kind of a, it became kind of sticky. Mm-hmm. Now I get you. Sticky situation. And then I, a, a, a guy interviewed me for a magazine article. I can't remember who it was. And I was talking up the Morel stuff because when I first discovered that brand, I was all about mm-hmm. it. The giant voice coil on the mid ranges <laughs> right. and this. And then he kind of spun the article Focal versus Morel. And I carried both. Mm-hmm. And then my Focal rep was all mad at me because the article <laughs> came out and I'm, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it was just like a, I was causing a bunch of drama that wasn't supposed to be, to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you, I mean, what was the evolution? Did the retail location stay the same as far as from when you took over from your dad? And then did that kind of evolve into the space you've been in now or how to like, when did things evolve from being more of that retail storefront into the style you are now? So, yeah. So in, in the nineties, 
business was really good. Sure. You know, it was booming. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just like naturally declined through the 2000s and stuff like that. And we had a small location that was on, it was an old Altadena dairy. So it had like a outdoor cover parking area. Okay. And that was like our outdoor bay. And then the shop end of it was really small. And that worked out good because we didn't have to pay for that area we worked out of. Right. And that shop was probably there, man, 15 years or so. Okay. And the reason I started the YouTube channel was to just kind of bring business in and film what we're doing and get like market the business in a more modern way. Okay. So more kind of like what five star does now as far as, yeah, yeah, okay. Exactly. Yeah. So we would show, we'd just like do a full system install video and it'd be a customer's car and we'd show the equipment we're using. And then I always tried to make the video make the videos funny and entertaining because that's kind of what works on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And then we used to do like I started molding those little universal seven inch screens into people's dashboards. Yeah. So it'd be like it look factory, but it would to modernize it. So back then that was kind of a new thing. And I would mold them in, make them look factory, and we'd hide a DVD player in the glove box or whatever and then relocate a DIN head unit somewhere. And people liked that, and that was a kind of a custom thing I did. And then when the iPad was announced, I'm like, oh, I'm going to put an iPad in the car. <laughs> and then on day, on day one, we waited in line, got the iPad, and put it in a Tacoma, filmed it and uploaded it, to hit that same day that the iPad was launched. We wanted the video to be out the day the iPad came out. And that video kind of went viral. I was going to say, because you, you got like on the mainstream news and stuff with that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It was like in newspapers, TV, every tech blog. It was like, I woke up and I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, what happened? <laughs> it was just like crazy. I was just trying to impress my friends. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I was doing just a typical type of install video that we did. Right. But it was just because the iPad was involved. Mm -hmm. Like it just blew Blew up up. and we just had people requesting wanting the iPad stuff. And in let's see now that shop, since it was an outdoor bay, they eventually didn't want to renew our lease because the city kind of cracked down on where automotive work could take place. They really wanted mm, anything automotive mm-hmm. to be in a, a place zoned for automotive. Sure. So that's when we moved to a bigger location and the rent was so high compared to what we're used to because we didn't have to pay for the bay before. And mm. now we have to pay for a three car bay. So I tried to go big with it and We were busy in the beginning and I had banners at the old shop pointing people over to our new location. But as soon as those were taken down, when the new business moved into that location, business just fell off and died. Mm. So it was like, and we had this huge overhead. It was just really tight budget wise. Yeah. But on the other side of that, the iPad stuff and the YouTube videos were growing and growing and growing. And my dad had some health issues around that time. So he decided to retire. 
And I'm like, well, I, if you're retiring and this is so razor thin over here, I just, we just closed it up. Okay. And then I got a small shop and just continued the iPad and the YouTube videos. I got you. Okay. Going from a shop into doing the YouTube videos. Now, obviously things are broken down. You kind of, you kind of have to, especially since you're not necessarily doing it on as much live customers now, uh, I guess you did more in the beginning, but has it changed your way of thinking in terms of how you approach audio in general and how has it influenced your projects in that compared to how you would approach things before you, you know, focusing on presenting it to the world through YouTube? Yeah. I enjoy it a lot more now because now I could just do my own stuff (laughs) so I can, I don't have to worry about a customer's budget and like trying to fit what kind of system I could build in, in their constraints. And it's a lot less pressure. The retail aspect was really hard. So now it's a lot more fun because I can just kind of do whatever I want and be creative and just kind of go all out in a sense and just kind of do what I want to do. Cause I like doing weird boxes and the iPad stuff is really fun. Yeah. So I kind of, as, as time has gone on my, like, I like to focus in on just kind of certain custom aspects of it. Like I like the fabrication end of it and I like just doing SQ kind of related things. That's what I, and that's what I've always liked at my dad's shop that we used to have this rep would come in named Bob Morrow. I don't know if you heard it. Yeah. He would come in with the next hot demo car he built, and they always sounded so good, man. That yeah, guy could yeah, build the Tacoma a Tacoma that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's where that's where I was introduced to the L fours mm-hmm. and the Lagadia stuff because he had that Tacoma with no tweeters in it. Yeah, and I think were the L fours in the kick panel. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he had the L four yeah. in the kicks. Yep. Yeah, so he had the you know L fours in the kicks and the door speakers and subwoofers and that's yeah. it and that thing sounded amazing and he brought a few cars in like that whatever he brought in i'm like oh that's the best equipment you can get and i would buy it i think he introduced me to hertz also when okay. they were yep. first being that distributed right. in the u.s yep. yeah you had a volkswagen beetle the new beetle mm-hmm. and he had some crazy dash set up in there bob was an awesome dude with the speakers up fire yeah man he was the best how do you think your Obviously, most of us know you from your modern day YouTube persona. Is, is do you think your personality that you put exude on YouTube is that you think you've gotten is that your natural self, or do you think you've put on a show now for the channel to for entertainment? I mean, what what's I mean, that's your- it's. I would say it's my natural self, but how I am with like a group of friends. Okay, yeah, you know, like if, when if that's like how I would be in the install bay with my friends. We'd be, you know, trashing on each other, making jokes all day. (laughs) Like, like when a group of guys get together and they have to work together all day, that kind of banter. Yeah. And that's probably, I miss that part of the shop working in a, with Mm. a crew full of guys at a shop like that. And so that kind of comes out in the YouTube videos, Mm. but as far as how I am with my wife and my daughters, it's a little toned down. From, <laughs> and from I imagine, what you see I mean, on YouTube. I imagine there was a, a learning curve there being able to do that to 
a, a blank lens that's in front of you versus somebody across the, uh, across the hall, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it kind of came naturally because we started filming at the shop with everybody. Okay. And I was capturing what went on, and I didn't really filter a lot out because mm-hmm. I wanted it to be like a behind the scenes of how it would be at a shop. And that's what I think people really liked about it. Yeah. And then as it evolved, you know, now I don't have any employees, so it's just me doing my own projects. Right. But that kind of aspect of it was always there in the beginning. So to do it now, it's kind of the making the videos is kind of the same as it was when there was a bunch of people around. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of, in a different environment, but it doesn't seem that different to me because I've been doing it my whole life right. now. Cause, cause now it's just my own shop where I'm kind of doing the same thing I was always doing. Yeah. And you're not, ha- not necessarily having to turn it on and off for that because that's just, Oh, here's what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just know I want to make a entertaining video and kind of shoot the shit for right. lack of a better term, but yep. you know, so yeah. Did you, did you ever do any, competition back in the day or anything or no i wish i did it it was kind of like the tail end of the car stereo competitions Mm -hmm. you know when i was really getting into it right and probably should have you know looking back but i just want and i was into i was into the car club thing so i just wanted to like work on my car make it the lowest and the loudest and just cruise around town you know (laughs) i hear you you had mentioned uh l4s and stuff earlier which made me think of it uh, do you still have the mule or what's the i yeah, I, got, I have I the mule okay. i've been working okay. on it again okay. when i that car i put a system in it with a macintosh six channel right. macintosh yep. deck i did the l4s and i think it was were they the l6s the seven inch woofer yeah the it would have been the l6 or l6 i think it was the l6 yes yeah, I think they called it a six, but it was really yep. a seven. Seven, yep, like that. yep, yep. Yeah, and actually, I think I had those in a Tacoma before I put them in the Mule. Okay. Because I had a Tacoma, and I did something similar to what Bob did, where the L4s were in the kick panel. Okay, yep. And I had the sixes in the uh, doors, mm-hmm. and I think I had an Audison amp on it. Mm-hmm. But when I got rid of that vehicle, I took them out and saved them. Okay. And then for the Mule, it had... It's, you know, started its life with a Volkswagen motor in it. And there's this area that's behind the back seat. And I put a giant box with a sixth order bandpass jail yeah, audio. That. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. It was an eight inch W7. Yeah, that was a crazy and, box. <laughs> yeah. Overcomplicate, overcomplicated again. <laughs> right. And I had the Macintosh six channel, the L4s, L6s, and the Macintosh deck. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. The. The Macintosh amp has enough adjustments on it to where you can band pass the rear channels mm-hmm. so you could right. high pass and low pass. Yep. So I didn't need a processor or anything. It could just go Macintosh amp or deck straight back to the amp. And then the front channels have a high pass filter with a times 10 switch so you can cross over at a higher frequency and... So I was able to cross over yeah. the four inches, band past the sixes, and then I just, you know, 80 and below on the sub. But then I had the bright idea of swapping the motor in that car, and then I str- I needed room for all the electronics, and that's where it kind of ended up a jumbled mess back there because I took up too much space with the stereo. 
So that was all set up and good. But then I swapped the motor in the car and started adding valve block for the airbags. I did a ECU and a fuse box and like it became a jumbled mess because I took up too much room with the stereo. Right. So the car has been sitting for three years because I, I broke the transmission trying to do burnouts. <laughs> and like this, this car has been like a curse. So now I'm trying to get it back together and make room for everything. So it's cleaner and more reasonable because it kind of got jumbled, I hear you. you know, back there. So I just right now I'm doing a five channel amp on it, leaving the same speakers. I did a Sony head unit that works a little bit better with the iPad and a smaller box. And I made a board across the back where I spread everything out for, so there's room for the fuse box, the relays, circuit breakers, ECU, the valve block for the airbags. And it has a smaller amp and a DSP on there okay. on the back wall. So just trying to get that thing somewhat done. <laughs> but I was just going to say, do you, I mean, do you have a, a target completion date for it? Is it going to be completed or is there just a project vehicle that you want to just kind of keep messing with? Or what's your, what's your ultimate? I mean, I thought about selling it because yeah. there's other things I need to do and want to do. And I lost interest in it for the last three years because I had it almost together and I broke the transmission again that I just had rebuilt. So I took it apart, took that back to Rancho. They fixed it. I, and then I put it back in the car, but then I was like, I was pissed off about it. And, and then I started working on the T-Bird and these other projects. So it just kind of like became one of the unfinished projects that people have sitting around because of whatever reason. But so my goal was to slap it back together and sell it. But now that I'm all into it again and it's almost to that point, it's like, I hate selling cars, man. And it's like so hard, especially something like I get that. attached. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's like, it's, it's like, I really don't like to cruise that thing around. Cause it's just, it's small and it's like so low to the ground. It's, it feels like a death trap almost in there, right, you know, right. it's not like a, it's not like a cruiser you know, right. where you could take the wife out to dinner in it type of car. Right. But so I don't drive it much, but I just always love the look of it because it's so slammed. And Oh yeah. It's awesome. It's got pretty much everything you wanted. You think you want to do to a car, <laughs> but I, so I don't know. I mean, I got, I, I'd like to sell it and just cash out on it, but I don't know if I could bring myself to it. And then, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. And then anytime you sell a vehicle like that, you end up babysitting it for as long as it's out there anyway. So at that point, it's like, well, it might yeah, as well yeah, kept yeah. it. <laughs> you become the tech support right, of exactly. the vehicle. <laughs> so this thing underneath the left rear, rear wheel well uh, that you may have never even touched. Tell me about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, that's a, I told you not to look under there. No. But yeah, I, I got to a point where like, I accumulated too many vehicles. So right. I started trying to get rid of some and I was going to give myself a two car rule, okay. you know, a yep. daily driver yep. and a project car. Okay. So, but it's like, you know, every car I've sold, I miss. <laughs> so I'm like, man, I'm never buying anything ever again. Cause I'm going <laughs> to, I don't want to have to get rid of it at some point. It sucks. It's like a car. I have a real like car addiction or something. Right. Well, that's, that's <laughs> why you're here doing this, right? Yeah, I guess, I guess there's the, ups and downs the goods and bads how do you balance doing sponsorships 
and kind of adding that into or brand advertising on your YouTube channel as part of it. While also, I mean, you've never really been shy about calling out brands or people or anything. Plus, you have your own thing with the iPad mounts and that kind of thing. Is Has there been any real challenges or has that been pretty much beneficial for you as far as all that goes? Or what was, I mean, how did that kind of come about and how has that worked out for you? I mean, yeah, that was always kind of like a no-brainer kind of thing for mm-hmm. my advertisers. It's just been like a good partnership with everyone awesome. that's been on. Yeah. You know, it started off with, you know, we had some pretty big sponsors because at one point when the YouTube channel started getting big, we were picked up by this network called Revision 3, which is kind of like, they got bought by Discovery. And now I think it's just kind of fizzled out. But they brought some really good advertisers in the beginning. We had Toyota on as an advertiser for an episode. Yeah. And like, you know, some pretty big advertisers in like the podcast type of space yeah, yeah. where they would get the advertisers and, you know, put them out and, you know, delegate them out to whoever their content creators were. But then I just started reaching out myself and getting a hold of people I knew in the industry and that knew what the show was about and then explaining them to them what we're trying to do. You know, because, I mean, we have a large car audio car audience. So it's worked out with all of our regular advertisers that have been on. So, you know, I mean, NVX has been on with us for years. Before them, CT Sounds was a big advertiser for many years. And U.S. Alternators has been on for years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those the guys that support us have been great and... I hope they see a lot of business from it. I'm, I'm thinking they do. <laughs> they they keep on, so that's that's the important part, yeah, right? They keep on, and yeah, I, and I recommend whenever I talk to someone over email and stuff, I try to, you know, recommend that stuff because there are people I know and brands I know are good mm-hmm. and stuff I use, right? So, you know, it's kind of a good symbiotic relationship type of thing with the changes over the i would say i mean it's ever evolving right car audio has always evolved with the times necessarily but between that and media in general i don't know you know how much you're involved in the the short video space as far as like tiktok and everything else it seems to be kind of taking over some of the viewership from the longer form videos like youtube and that i mean are you seeing yourself evolving your format any over the coming years or do you think that kind of necessarily you need to stay in in the space and format that you're in with primarily the primarily the youtube or what's your i mean where do you see things going there yeah the youtube videos have been kind of like a slow gradual growth throughout the years Mm -hmm. and my style of video has kind of become its own product so people always expect that. And that's the fun part of it for me is doing my own projects and the whole editing process and all yeah. that. So that's kind of like, that's the fun part of the hobby mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And that's been a gradual growth. We probably get about thirty to 40,000 views when we upload a full long form video. Mm-hmm. And with the short form stuff, whenever something pops up, I'm hesitant because there's, 
everything changes so fast and some stuff comes out and goes away just as fast as it came. Like when Vine was new, <laughs> right? You know, that was probably the yeah. first short form yeah. Yeah. platform and they disappeared. So I'm right. glad I didn't put a bunch of effort into that. So yeah. when the TikTok and Instagram reels came around, I was hesitant as well. So I waited and now you see every platform has its version of TikTok in it. So, right. so I started showing my finished dash mods as a short. I would edit the short vertical video mm-hmm. and put it on TikTok, put it on Instagram, put it on Facebook and YouTube shorts. You got to put it everywhere. And those took on a life of their own and surpassed my long form stuff. So I'm like, what the heck? What am I now? What do I, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> man, I had some of these iPad dash mods. I had an excursion video. I put out, I got 8 million views wow. and it was so, it was an easy slap together, vertical, right. no effort. And I put all this, these hours into a 20 minute long form video and it gets its 30,000 views, which is good. But I'm like, dang. So I see kind of where it's going and. It is a newer way to watch video and people can watch a lot more of them. So when they're on Instagram, you would normally watch one long form YouTube video in 20 minutes, but now mm. people are consuming a hundred videos in 20 minutes. So there's a the potential yeah. for a lot more views because they're watching, you know, 80 people's videos in a short time span. So if you can get yours in there, you know, there's a lot of more, a bigger chance of discoverability on sure. stuff like that. So it's not, it's not as fun and you can't do as much in, you know, you can't make like a show in a one minute vertical video. Right. So you kind of have to do both. If you're a content yeah. creator, you should be doing both. Yeah. No, that makes sense. But, and I feel like you're, and I mean this in the best way possible, I really do. But I mean, I think you're more of an entertainer than most in the space that you're in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're not just sitting here going, here's how you sand this thing. And here's how this thing goes. Like you're interjecting comedy, some storyline. Like there's, there's, you know, I guess you probably get picked on as much about it with stuff taking <laughs> over going over time, but there is that arc, right? Like any TV show you watch, I mean, we could shortcut any movie down to 45 seconds if we really wanted to and still get most of the storyline in right like yep. yeah <laughs> but there's not much entertainment there so <laughs> yeah and but. that's kind of that's kind of like the the shift i notice is i mean when you were on to be big on youtube in 2012 2014 it was very personality based and as much of yourself you could put into it and make it entertaining the better your odds Mm-hmm. You know, so, but with a short video, I could just show a dash mod that I did and that does well also on its own without having, because now it's, YouTube is a very like personality based platform where you have to be entertaining to get any traction or following. But now, now it's like the dash mod kind of speaks for itself. Mm hmm on its own where is before I had to kind of coax them in a little bit more. You know what I mean? 
get convinced people of why they needed it first. <laughs> yeah. And like, why, like, why are you watching this? And like, you know, cause you, you kind of needed that extra charisma to get anyone to pay attention to anything on right. YouTube back in the day. Right. People are looking for entertaining things now. I mean, now everyone has their own algorithm pretty much on Instagram to where if you don't care about anything entertaining and you're just into wheels and tires, you'll get a full day's worth of content with wheels and tires or right. stereos. Or if you are in entertainment, there's entertaining videos. Also, there's everything now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But you, well, know, you used it, to have it, to be a PewDiePie type of character to get anywhere right. back in the day on, on YouTube. Right. Well, and I would say it's, it's very impressive for as long as you've been doing it that you've retained that steady growth over time uh, because it seems like so many you know I think I think it shows the durability of what you're doing beyond just car audio to a certain extent like people are watching you to just keep up with the story or whatever because again it, it's there's so much rise and fall in that space so I mean it, it's it's really cool that you've you've been able to continue things the way you have yeah thank you yeah and you'll have your own rise and fall throughout making videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to, if you're not, I've been on YouTube for 15 years. <laughs> so it's like I'm gaining people and losing people at the sure. same time. So you have to, you know, it's like interesting to see it pan out over all these years, but that's why like, I just have to, the way my stuff does best is if I just do what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, I get into a lot of the suspension stuff and like building the whole vehicle, not just stereo after stereo after stereo. Because if if you're just chasing the views and putting out what you think people will want, you're, you're going to kind of create yourself a shelf life. But if you're just always doing what you want to do, you know, whether people care or not and just see what happens. I think it's better that way. Cause if you're having fun with it as a hobby and you like doing videos and filming and doing your own projects, that's like, to me, that's what works best. For sure. Well, on that vein, how, uh, of course everybody processes it differently, but I mean, how have you learned to deal with like the comments section? Oh man, I used to get so mad back in the day. Like, <laughs> I bet. You know, like when I first started, like a lot of things, it made me realize I could do a lot of things better because we're just, I was just doing things the way I knew how, but then people in the comments would point out a better way of doing it or something I did wrong. I'm talking like actual like technique as far as the thing yeah, that you were actually doing. As in, yeah. yeah. As installing like, okay. Right. So there's one early video we put out, we put a system in a Scion XB okay. and the speaker mount is a plastic bracket that's kind of attached as one piece with the speaker. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the best way I thought of doing it was just to cut the old speaker off of its bracket. So basically cutting the basket off of the ring and then just screw the new speaker onto that. And then okay. I got roasted so hard in the comments <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I'm like, oh, okay, you like, it would be better to make, a custom speaker adapter right? that has the same bolt hole as like the factory bracket and then make a nice hole for the mid, put the biggest one you can in there. So I'm like, okay. So like that kind of stuff 
it made me step up my game in a lot of ways because I was just not even thinking of that back then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was just slapping it in, you know, slap it in quick, make it sound good. Off it goes. So in many ways, it's forced me to kind of improve my technique Mm -hmm. and just realizing there's better ways to do it. But also, there'd be a lot of stupid comments, and I would get mad. I used to argue with people in the comment box, <laughs> and then now it's just like I don't even care. I read them, and like I think most of it's funny. I like calling out stupid comments or bad comments on the videos because it just makes it something funny to joke about, right? Which oh, is kind of sure. like the best way to deal with it. But deal yeah, I used to it used to keep me up at night, you know. But it's been so long now, I could give a shit less. <laughs> it's not going to change how you do things. It's not going to, pro- and they're probably just going to come back for more. So just so yeah. be it. I'll just Sorry roast them back head. and entertain myself with it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> how do you? I guess on the subject of like techniques and and kind of on the industry side. I mean, how do you keep up there? As far as I mean, I, I, you're pretty much married to content creation most of the time. So it's not like you have a ton of time to like go to a knowledge fest or go here, go there. Like, like how do you kind of keep up with what's going on with the industry and fabrication techniques and this and that? I mean, do you, do you spend much space there or do you kind of just do your thing? I kind of, so I kind of went up to a certain point and then stayed with how I do it. Okay. I think some people go a little too far in the fabrication end of it Mm -hmm. that I don't really care to go there you know there's right. this for a while people were building full mdf interiors like in classic <laughs> cars and like going fully layered mdf door panels and mm-hmm. i never thought that was that cool i'm like i think mm-hmm. it in a classic car like that and that's kind of that's a style that was popular that also is now on the decline it kind of went right. out of style so right. when you see you know a chevelle classic car with a full mdf interior and a weird overly built headliner, you know, like wood, everything <laughs> like that. That's right. not even, that's not even cool anymore. Right. You know, it was like, and a, a few winters, it's not going to be cool at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And maybe in the early two thousands or whatever, I don't know when it was new, but so like that kind of stuff, I think is unnecessary. If you're mm-hmm. doing, leave that to the interior guy, mm-hmm. buy a door panel, have custom upholstery put on it and let it be a door panel. It doesn't have to be a layered MDF masterpiece on its own, you know, but so I like to just put the speakers in a good location, do a custom couple custom pieces, whether it's a little door pod or dash mod or a tweeter pod, and then Mm -hmm. tune the box to actually make it sound good, make a cool box with a, six order band pass or something like that. But, and that's it. And then just yep. put the amps in. I like doing the steel amp racks, mm-hmm. like a nice metal frame, you know, at least it's not screwed to a board, which I also do that too. But I kind of took it to where I think it's reasonable. Sure. I don't think every trunk needs a beauty panel, like right. some crazy thing. I mean, that looks good too, but it's also cool to just have a nice box sitting in the trunk. Right. Yeah. You know, like with when I rebuilt, I rebuilt a T-Bird on my YouTube channel 
and I just did a really cool layered birch box, carpeted the back of it and did a plexiglass front and I let it sit in there because it looks good on its own as a subwoofer box. Mm. So it doesn't, I don't think you need all flush mounted, lit up everything. So I kind of just, I like to keep it simple as far as the stereo Mm. goes and Mm -hmm. let, let the amp be the amp, not have to build a cover, go right. I just think some of it's overcomplicated as far as fabrication goes. Let the car audio edition be a car audio edition and leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. you know, it's like, I just like to keep it simple, make it sound good, make it look good without going yeah. too complicated. And that's just my personal preference. No, I get it. Obviously, a lot of these trunk setups are really cool looking and a lot of art goes into it. Mm-hmm. But like... I'd rather have some chrome hydraulic pumps and (laughs) batteries and just a box chilling and let you see it all, you know? Sure. So it's just, it's kind of a personal preference. And so I don't really, I haven't kept up with a lot of the newer ways of of the fabrication Mm -hmm. and stuff, you know? And I think a lot of it is. Have to have it. Yeah. And a lot of people are trying to sell trainings. So they're trying to keep stuff going. That's not necessarily even that much of a moneymaker, you know, the right. the biggest thing, if you're running a business as a car stereo shop, 90% of your money-making work is just going to be the guy wants a sub and an amp and he wants right. it to sound good. That you can turn, you, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have 1% of customers want the fancy wazoo vinyl-wrapped trunk setup, but also there's shops that specialize in just that. Sure. But most of it... If you you know, if you take all the shops together and look at ninety percent of the work they're making money at, is the simple just setups, you know, simple setups. Nope. Makes sense. And and a lot of times the the simple se- setups, even like in the competition world and stuff, are the ones that perform the best because the expectations aren't so high, you know? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's, like yeah. it's like all the extra stuff doesn't necessarily make it sound better, you know. Yeah, and then people are going overboard with all this work, but their the equipment they choose is not <laughs> the right. greatest. You know, right. you see like budget amps with a five thousand dollars worth of labor to put. Right. Like, make come on, man! For it. It's yeah. like, wait a minute! If you're gonna go all out, you gotta. You know, obviously, you've been in the industry for or around the industry, around the brands, around the stuff. You know, for a very long time, and you keep up with it. Um, I know you've been, you know, CS and this and that, but. It, for for you personally, if you could put three brands back in their heyday and bring them back right now to exactly the pinnacle of what you think they are, what would those three brands be? Oh, that's a tough one. Just like your favorite, like go to comfort comfort brand. Now that's gonna. There's things I like. There was always a company that had like the best subwoofers, but everything else wasn't that good. Right. Like, sure, sure. I love those Serwin Vega Vega series yep. 12s. Mm-hmm. Like if I could, if there was a way to buy that exact woofer again, mm-hmm. that would be awesome. Although there's probably stuff out there that outperforms it now, but I may not, maybe I just have that nostalgia, but that sure. woofer was awesome. But mm-hmm. then there's other, like I wouldn't necessarily do Sirwin Vega speakers. My favorite speakers are still around. It's the Lagadia stuff. Hmm. The the way that those L3s and L4s sound, they go the frequency 
range that they could play to where mm-hmm. you don't need a tweeter. It sounds so good. <laughs> the 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 treble and everything is just so smooth and you can get mm-hmm. a wider bandwidth out of that one speaker. Right. So you're not splitting up the vocals as much. Mm-hmm. So and like the my favorite system I heard from like a rep would be Bob Morrow's mm-hmm. Tacoma with the Legatias in it. So right. thankfully that stuff's still around. Yes, sir. I always love the jail audio stuff. Some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the W sevens are an awesome woofer. Those are still around the amp that what I like that now I wish the Macintosh stuff was still around because now <laughs> you can't just go and buy it. Right. You know, before well, you, we, you can, it's just a whole lot of money. You got to find somebody with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to, you got to hunt it down and right. shell out the big dough. Man, right. we used to have a stock room full of it and I could just go back there and grab it if I wanted. So like, that's hard yeah. for me to deal with because there's amps I've wanted that I could have had. And if I knew it was going to go away, I probably mm-hmm. would have got it before it was gone. Yeah. So, and then, you know, like I've always wanted this giant long six channel that they made and I mm-hmm. have one, but it's, you know, this thing is weathered. It's like <laughs> got marks all over it. It's probably been in five different cars. You know, I right. don't know the condition of the internals. So Macintosh is probably the one I miss most. Yeah. And that, that real class A amplifier. Mm-hmm is not even, not even many people are making anything similar to that. It's kind of pretty much all transitioned to, transition to class D. Right. So, and I, I like the PPI stuff. I liked the MTX amps. I liked the old Phoenix. What was, Gold. It, what was your, what was your favorite PPI? Was it like, are you going back to like a art series or the PC or what, where was your, yeah, the, the gray ones with the kind of yeah, the PC. Round, class. Yeah. Yeah. I love those. No, and we had those for a while and then they kind of, they got bought out and it got kind of cheapened. It's like right. sad to see some of those old brands. Oh yeah. Cheapened. But the Phoenix gold titanium amps were bitching. Yep. Yep. I yep, love those. For sure. But for me, that was always the Macintosh amps were like the pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and they were, they had obviously the classic, I mean, Macintosh is just classic industrial design. I mean, they've just done the same thing for however many years. <laughs> it's yeah. still, it's still totally cool. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And the, 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 the blue, you know, the, the blue VU meters and everything else is just, is classic, but yeah, it's, and there is really good stuff. Like it was all really good stuff. Even, even like the Clarion, you know, Clarion rebadged head units and stuff. It was like, it was mm-hmm. still really cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, is there anything else about you that we wouldn't necessarily know based on just the YouTube channel or whatever? Like, I mean, I've, I still do martial arts. I've been yeah. doing jujitsu for the last 14 years. Wow. Um, martial arts and car stereo are probably are pretty much the only things I've done in my life. Yeah. And I s- discovered them early and mm-hmm. still do them. I That's awesome. started jujitsu in 2008 at Eddie Bravo's. 10th planet jujitsu mm-hmm. and got my blue belt and purple belt from him. And I stopped going there when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And then, so that 
I took a couple years off and got back into it and I just train at a local gym now. But yeah. That's cool. What, what, I mean, you've done a lot of creative things, you know, endeavors as far as between, I mean, cardio installs and, you know, fabrication, even if it's not, you know, to the, the hilt, I mean, it's still, it's all a creative process, right? Plus with the YouTube channel and the specific, you know, videos and everything else. I mean, what over your career, what would you say that you're most proud of, of a single thing that you've done or accomplished? I think the T-Bird I built was mm-hmm. my favorite project I've done so far. The last one I built because I did a whole car start to finish. I got you. The, yep. the mule has kind of been, I bit off more than I can chew. And it's like, you keep chewing. Some of the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I keep, I'm still chewing, <laughs> you know? And it's like, I don't know if I have the skill to take it to where I would want it. But mm. with the T-Bird, it's the second one I built and I knew exactly what to do to it. I did the whole suspension. I put a rag top in it, wrapped the headliner, made custom speaker adapters the right way, you know, made some cool metal amp rack in there and the layered box and tuned the box myself, tuned the system. And it has a look of its own. So it's like as a car, I made a kind of complete piece that I liked. So that to do that complete project, I think was my favorite thing and kind of showed my skills of what I'm good at. I got you. No, without trying to go too far. I always like to push myself, but sometimes, you know, like with the mule, like the motor swap made me learn that I don't really like to do, I don't like to swap the motor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to do. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I I tried it and I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. So it's like, you know, that I like the suspension and stereo. I like finding the right wheels and measuring Mm -hmm. all the stuff. Like I like the doing a car as a whole. Sure. And now that's probably the one that I did best with. Cause even my first T-Bird, I had a lot of help with that because I didn't know everything back then. So right. you know, guided some of the suspension, you know, my installers at my dad's shop helped me before I knew how to do any of the installs. I learned a lot from my first T-Bird. So now it was like, I was able to envision something and then actually execute it with my skill set. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So what's, what's other than someday maybe finishing the mule? What, what's, what's the next, what's around the corner for your other projects? I have a car. I don't want to announce it yet. I'll show, I'll announce it on my YouTube channel. So go follow my YouTube channel, but I have a car. It's going to be my next thing. I'm excited about it. I'm going to do something similar to what I did with the T-Bird and apply my style to my next car very cool and try to do you know go all out with the stereo you know right very cool if if for some reason somebody listening to this doesn't already know you they can start out at soundman.co right that's your yep actual website with uh all all the stuff that you do um and then of course it's pretty easy to find them at youtube.com slash soundman 
I guess my my final question for you is, what does Rafa's mom actually think about the jokes? <laughs> Hopefully she's never seen them. <laughs> I know how Rafa feels about them. <laughs> how does Rafa actually feel about the jokes? I guess we can start there. It's funny. He, he's gotten mad at me a couple times. He's like, you gotta stop talking about my mom on YouTube. And I, was, I laughed. And then I did it more. But, you know, like, that's like, how me and Rafa are with each other. And same with Jordan. I went and visited Jordan. Jordan, people know him from the older videos, but he has his own stereo shop now. So I go hang out there and I like banter back and forth with him, give him a hard time. But it's weird to be on the other side of the fence where it's like, cause it was always my shop. People came to and we hung out. Mm -hmm. But now I feel like kind of like retired in a way and I'm going and seeing him and he's stressing about all the stuff I used to stress about (laughs) and I'm laughing at him, you know, employee (laughs) calls in sick and he's, so he's got a workload he can't handle. And I'm like, Oh, you used to do that to me, you know, (laughs) welcome to the life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's fun to do that now and see that now. (laughs) Well, and you've always got Mark Zuckerberg to to fill in on. So yeah, Yeah, I'm (laughs) filling with him, but man, Rafa's killing it right now. He's, he helped me with the dash mods for a long time. The majority of my business is still selling the dash, the iPad mounts for people sure. to do their own dash mod. And yeah. then I do some dash mods as well. And I mean, I started this business in 2013, so it's been 10 years and oh, wow. he's helped me for a lot of that. But the past few years he's been doing like um, performance tuning for Mustangs and Ford stuff and man he's just killing it he's just like just tuning race cars all day now oh really okay that's yeah awesome. yeah so he's always been into the performance stuff so he's fully moved on from the stereo stuff he's graduated yeah so i was just, I was just looking at your site for because i pulled up to make sure i was on the uh, i said the right thing and then I just noticed your limited Coxford, Cockford Ballsgate sticker pack. Where's yeah. that come? Where'd that come from? <laughs> I don't even know where that came from. I was I was making fun of Rockford Fosgate, and Cockford Ballsgate came about somehow. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't even know if it started at Cockford Ballsgate. I don't know. I have to go back and. But right. it became like a catchphrase type of thing, because everyone's got a all the car stereo people. I don't even know if I don't even think I made that up. Like, I think just that's just like thing. one yeah. of those street jokes from the car deep within the car audio scene, but I it's like, you. there's a, there's a lewd name for every speaker sure. manufacturer. Absolutely. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like that. I mean, it full on with logos and products and everything. I mean, no, no fooling around there. <laughs> yeah. It became like a joke of the channel. So I'm like, I got to. I try to release something limited to get the funds up every once in a sure. while. And sure. We That's landed awesome. well, the Cockford Ballsgate sticker pack. Yeah. We sold so many. I got to ship some today, actually. I was going to say, everybody go get your Cockford Ballsgate sticker pack before they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I really appreciate your time. It's been awesome. It's great to catch up with you and uh, looking forward to seeing how things progress and keep things going and, and hope we can be involved. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me on. How about the ones we especially like? Which ones? You know, the ones with the cars that go. I hear you. Hit it.